Hi everyone. Today we're reading Luke chapter 2 for Christmas Sunday. Sweet baby Jesus in the manger. <laughs> Dear 8 pounds, 6 ounce newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet, just a little infant. So cuddly, but still omnipotent. I'm Alicia McClintic. And I'm Megan Pardio. And this is the A Plain Account Podcast. Today, our reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and I am reading from the Common English Bible. Hear now the word of the Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quinerius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Nearby shepherds were living in fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby snugly wrapped and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Merry Christmas, Alicia. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, I love this. I I love coming to the Christmas story. Even though it's super familiar, I feel like there are different aspects of this gem that kind of glitter up at me each time. Um, but I also recognize that this can be difficult. It can be difficult for preachers to preach a passage like this mm-hmm. on Sunday for a variety of reasons. One, it's the end of the year and the end of like a hectic ministry season, right? There's a million things happening in the month of December. Um, 
and bringing this kind of energy to a Christmas Sunday can be pretty difficult for preachers. But not only that, I think so many people in our congregations can have a hard time with Christmas. I made a little joke in our intro, a quote from a Will Ferrell movie, Talladega Nights, and he says he prefers to pray to the infant sweet baby Jesus in a manger. (laughs) (laughs) He likes the Christmas Jesus best. (laughs) And, um, you know, sometimes that's true, but also sometimes Christmas Jesus is a difficult Jesus. Um, That sweet baby Jesus in a manger can be um, a really tricky and difficult place to enter the story for some of our congregations. Yeah, thanks for that, Alicia. I I think for a lot of us carry this kind of expectation that we're supposed to feel a certain way and preach a certain way. Like here we have Jesus, the hope of the world. But that hope comes to us in often places of grief and difficulty. I want to share uh, with permission just a little bit of my own experience with the Christmas story as a pastor. Uh, Two years ago, on the first Sunday of Advent, we lost uh, an infant, a baby, a three-month-old in our community to SIDS. Mm -hmm. And so I came to this reading from Luke 2, having just had this child die, um, this, this baby and here having to then like hold this story of Luke two, the story of the hope of the world coming as a baby. Um, and it was, it was really right. Incredibly difficult and my own grief and the grief of the community. Um, it, it, it was, and it is just horrendous and, and awful. And, and I, And I know that there are probably many listeners for whom this winter you're pastoring people who are also in grief, right? Or Mm -hmm. have had pandemic loss or um, it's just a lot of things to hold at once. And, And so I really want to share something that was so helpful to me, such a simple line, maybe to give some permission uh, Mm -hmm. as you preach When I was sharing all of this grief a couple of years ago with another pastor, she told me something that her dad, also a pastor, Chip Summers, would say about Christmas. He said, Christmas is for the brokenhearted. Christmas is for the brokenhearted. And that resonated with me that Christmas so deeply. And I want to share that with you all and I hope it can resonate with you or maybe give you some more room to let go of this like bubbly Santa Claus kind of joyful Hallmark Christmas in place of the gospel, right? The Mm -hmm. word became flesh that dwells among us. Christmas is for the brokenhearted. For the brokenhearted, that is who Jesus came for. So I just offer that um, today as we begin our conversation, there's room for all of it Yeah, in Luke 2. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing um, so much of your personal journey with 
a kind of brokenhearted Christmas. Um, we are grateful to have your story and your voice uh, represented um, in this moment. And that is that is such a fitting word that Christmas is for the brokenhearted. Um, and I can imagine that that will be really encouraging for a lot of our listeners. It's encouraging for me to remember as we step into our second pandemic winter that mm. um, in this time of uh, short days, long nights, um, that yeah, where we're where we're feeling the weight of it all. That Christmas is for the brokenhearted. I think that's really lovely. Thanks for also reminding us that there's room for all of that here in Luke too. Maybe speaking of room. Let's talk a little bit about um, this this welcome of Mary and Joseph into the town of Bethlehem. Uh, I know some of our translations uh, frequently say there's no room for them at the inn, um, but it's I think worth noting that the Greek word here isn't in like a hotel or like a bed and breakfast situation that, and that's the word that's used in the good Samaritan story and Luke where um, someone is uh, rescued from roadside robbery and delivered to an inn where an innkeeper can care for him. Right. Like that there are particular Greek words to signify that image, mm. but that's not the image in Luke two. It's actually more accurately translated as guest room. Right. So to think about Mary and Joseph coming to visit family or super extended family as everybody is registering for the census and there's no place for them in the prepared guest quarters. <laughs> and so here they are trying to make it work. Um, and I, I find that really interesting to think about, uh, it, it it does, I think, reimagine our very traditional nativity scenes that are probably proudly displayed in our churches. Right, uh, right. <laughs> that that um that perhaps Mary and Joseph aren't actually like staying in a stable <laughs> or a cave or something like that, but that yeah, that there there still is this like big packed out space and there's not really room for them in the like prepared guest quarters. And yet here is where God decides to make an entrance into the world um, in a place where there might not be a lot of room, but God makes a way. I mean, this might be a really interesting thing to explore in a sermon is like, what kind of, what kind of people are we? <laughs> mm. um, and what kind of world is Jesus being born into? Hmm. Are we going to be people that have like, that can make some room, right? For, for the birth of Christ, for the hope of the world, um, or, or our, or are our lives so full uh, mm. so filled or so crowded out by other things. I don't know. Um, that's just, that's a question that I had written down before our conversation. Like, can we make some room? And I don't know, I don't mm. know where that would go or what that might be, but that question feels really important, um, to, to the story in Luke. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I always, uh, find myself ruminating on that line from the hymn joy to the world let every heart prepare him room um, mm. and what does it mean to prepare room for christ um to prepare room for 
God come to us as one of us to to prepare room for God to enter our right now lives. Um, yeah, that that that's the preparation that we've been doing all of Advent, right? Kind of right. Uh, tidying, tidying up the home, preparing the table, bringing out the extra chairs, setting a place, right? The preparing room for Christ to arrive. Not that Christ isn't already always with us, but that that these are the kind of movements that I'm thinking about in this in this season. What does it mean to prepare room for Christ? Um, and prepare room in my heart and in my life for the ones who Christ loves and yeah. who Christ is paying attention to. Right. Um, there's, I mean, there's some really interesting characters enfolded into this story as well. I mean, we've, we've got, of course, <laughs> sweet baby Jesus in the manger um, and Mary and Joseph who are figuring out like what it means to um to bring this child into the world and uh i think we can um infer from our text that they're that they're not quite officially married yet <laughs> that uh it still it still says that mary is promised to joseph or they still use the language of betrothal or right 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 and so so that so we still technically have like an unwed mother here, like trying to find her place um, in this big boisterous family. Um, I've, I find that really intriguing. Not that I entirely know what to do with that, but thinking about it. Well, and I mean, I, I, this is obviously not in the text, but one might wonder about if it was their status as not married that made their extended family have no space for them in the guest room. Right. So. Yeah. I've thought, I've thought a little bit about that. Again, that's like a bit behind the text, but, but I'm curious about that, that it's like, okay, well, we'll do what we can for you, but <laughs> what, like what we can right. do is a manger, right? Not like the, I, I don't know, handcrafted bassinet or whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, again, that's n- like not directly in the text, but it makes me wonder, right? That, yeah, what's what's happening with this sort of social status and the stigma that's attached to them, right? Yeah. Um, similarly, uh, like thinking about social status and stigma, the word of the Lord comes to these shepherds out in the middle of nowhere, folks who live an unsheltered existence, uh, keeping watch in the fields with their flocks by night, um, and this and this is where the word of the Lord comes, where uh, a company of angels is assembled to deliver yes. this great and glorious news. What do you think about that, Megan? Well, I just want to note so directly what you just said because it's something that I think is skipped over all the time. You mm-hmm. just said like these are shepherds un- unsheltered. I mean, in the translation I'm reading, the CEV. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields. So mm-hmm. just, I mean, just that feels so significant to name. Like there, here we have, they are also unsheltered. They are also without a place uh, with a roof, right? Yep. And, and this is who the Lord and this company come to. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of those threads woven together this morning as we're recording this this idea of not having a shelter, not having room, not having a roof, right? And 
that's um, that's happening to the Holy Family, Mary Joseph and the baby Jesus. It's happening amongst these shepherds um, because of their occupation, maybe, rather than uh, a social stigma like Mary and Joseph, right, or, or these particular social constraints. Um, but in either case, there is this, like, lack of room um, – there isn't there isn't a house there is not quite hmm. a home so to speak for the holy family or for um these folks who are keeping watch in their field um and yet we know that god is at home in the world that all of creation is the home of the lord and so here God is entering creation, um, regardless of whether there is like a fancy building or like a particularly traditional bassinet or those like handcrafted baby blankets or whatever, right? Yes. That, the, that the Lord is entering regardless of the these particular trappings, right? That that God is coming into the world in yeah, in God's own time and in God's own way and in God's own fullness, right? Well, and in, in as much as this is a surprise that mm. God comes in this way as a baby, it's also the God we already know, the God of mm-hmm. Israel, right? The God who David says, I'm going to build you a house. And God says, who do you think you are? Uh-huh. I don't, right? I don't need a house. Like I live in a tent. <laughs> so here we have yes. this, like this Old Testament, right? Both the, both the God who was with the Israelites in the tabernacle, you know, the God who rejected David's idea of structure and safety of, yeah. of a permanent house. Um, you know, we see that God here, both yes. in, in Jesus being born, you know, without, with no place for him in the guest room, no place for Mary and Joseph, but also with the shepherds, those living in the fields, those without like this permanent, um, secure, safe I mean, to think about the angels coming to them and like the fact, you know, it's just interesting to explore like, okay, well, they're in the field, so there's no roof over their head. So when the angels appear to them in the sky, they're just right there. Like yeah. these these physical barriers that keep us from from one another, from the elements, mm-hmm. from the from the vulnerability of the outdoors, like they're they're just not present here. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. I also love that you pointed us to some of these Old Testament connections, right? The city of David in Bethlehem is where all of this is unfolding. Yes. And and here we have um, uh, David, the shepherd king, right? And I, I find some of those connections might be really fruitful in uh, unraveling as we come to the Christmas story this this year, right? Earlier this year in the Old Testament lections, um, I was preaching through First and Second Samuel. So David and that kind of season of the life of Israel has been really salient in my mind as a preacher and then in my congregation as well. So if anyone else was working with the Old Testament passages early in this year, offering some reminders of those connections between uh, David, the promised king, the shepherd raised up, uh, the one who wanted to build a house for the Lord. And God said, no, I don't need that. Like, I'll build my own house in my own way. Um, maybe some of some of those elements might be fruitful to to bring to bear in a in a Christmas message. 
I love that. Um, and to to bring us back to an earlier portion of our conversation, this idea that Christmas is for the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, a kind of, it's not the assigned psalm for the day, but even the connection to like the psalm of such comfort that's used in so many funerals. And if you've had a funeral this year, you have likely read the Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the ways in which like the, the comfort of those words for so many of our people have all of these parallels here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here we have the angels say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be yes. afraid. So that's just a, a kind of a word as well. Like maybe even naming in your sermon and in a kind of not over the top way, but just subtly right drawing upon this imagery that that really has so much resonance for so many people of faith could be a, a really comforting way to situate this idea about Christmas being for the brokenhearted and and then there being no room and and here we have like the Lord as our shepherd. Yes, I love that. And it is surprising actually that it's not that it's not more frequently included in like the Advent or Christmas liturgy because it feels deeply resonant, right? I think about that image. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? God is, what did we say last time? God is showing death who the real fool is, that that God is is humiliating the powers and principalities, right? The the yes. enemies of God's goodness in the world. God is humiliating them by way of this baby who has come to die, right? Um, or even the end of the psalm that like my cup overflows, right? That there's this abundance of joy, good news of great joy for all people, the angels say. I I'm really intrigued by that. I'm going to have to sit with that a little bit more just in my personal devotional life, but I think also for my congregation, this connection between um, a psalm of comfort, Psalm 23, and the nativity narratives. I love that. Are there any other kind of points or or moments in the story, characters that are sticking with you? I always love to come back to Mary at the end of this uh, this lection for today. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We'll hear a similar line to that later um, in chapter two after um, after Jesus is growing. Uh, into a young boy, into an adolescent. Like we we get this continued reference to Mary being one who ponders, who reflects, who contemplates, who turns these things over and treasures them in her heart. And I find that really compelling. I um, am deeply inspired by that posture of faith that the scripture models for us. Are there other things you're noticing in the scripture this week, Megan? Well, I mean, on that note, I like want to, I want to get Mary a journal so she can write mm-hmm. some of this down because <laughs> right in, in the CEB, it's like she, she has, it's like she, she's been traveling. She, you know, doesn't have access to these kinds of things. Um, so she has to commit them to memory. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I do love it. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get Mary a journal by, get a journal for someone in your life. Um, yes. This Christmas. So the the only other character thing that was really lovely that I hadn't noticed before, um, we're going to get to later on in, 
in the season of Epiphany, the calling of the disciples. And I mentioned it on another episode as well. But there's this invitation of discipleship when, Mm. um, particularly when Philip is called in the Gospel of John. And the invitation is, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the invitation is come and see. And I noticed such a similar parallel here with the shepherds. Um, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. So there's this kind of going and seeing, which feels to me like such a posture of curiosity and discovery and seems to parallel so much with what we'll see later as the calling of the disciples. And so while we don't often describe the shepherds as disciples, it seems to me that that's like exactly what they are, right? They receive this yeah. call from God, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. And then after the angels leave, they do, they follow, like they go follow mm-hmm. the way, they follow um this path, this road, whatever you might want to call it, or however, whatever image you might want to use, yeah, to spread the, the word. Lord. Yeah, they right. They keep talk. They keep talking about what they've seen too. Right. Yep. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds had told them. Yes. Yes, I I love that. I I love this ever increasing attention toward discipleship, Um, not just understanding who Jesus is and how Jesus is coming into the world, but what then does it mean for us to follow Jesus and to follow in his way? And I love pointing to the shepherds as these um, uh, preliminary disciples, like these, these ones who have encountered Jesus, they go and see and confirm, and then they, yeah, tell about it. Well, and as you already noted, the and as we see later on in who we might, the traditional disciples, the, the adult Jesus disciples, um, you know, these are, of course, not people of power and privilege. Mm. These are not people with a lot of physical security, if nothing else. Um, here they are living in fields. So once again, always, who is it that God is being, you know, that God is choosing to reveal God's self to here. Um, and it's it's first this, you know, unled couple, these shepherds, people without the safety and security that, that many of us have. Mm, yeah. Well, on that note, I think we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. So stick around for our thoughts on preaching and applying this text after a brief intermission. Listen to this excerpt from a Christmas Eve sermon preached by Oscar Romero in 1979. He preached this sermon in El Salvador less than three months before his assassination. Like Mary in her Magnificat, Romero sings the song of the powerful being brought down from their thrones and God's lifting up the lowly. I'll read this first portion in Spanish and Megan will read the English translation. 
Esta noche no busquemos a Cristo entre las opulencias del mundo, entre las idolatrías de la riqueza, entre los afanes del poder, entre las intrigas de los grandes. Allí no está Dios. Busquemos a Dios con la señal de los ángeles, reclinado en un pesebre, envuelto en los pobres pañales que le pudo hacer una humilde campesina de Nazaret, unas mantillitas pobres y un poco de zacate como descanso del Dios que se ha hecho hombre, del Rey de los siglos que se hace accesible a los hombres como un pobrecito niño. Es hora de mirar hoy al niño Jesús, no en las imágenes bonitas de nuestros pesebres. Había que buscarlo entre los niños desnutridos que se han acostado esta noche sin tener que comer, entre los pobrecitos vendedores de periódicos que dormirán arropados de diarios allá en los portales, entre el pobrecito ilustrador que tal vez se ha ganado lo necesario para llevar un regalito a su mamá, o quién sabe si no logro vender los periódicos, recibir una tremenda reprimenda de su padrastro o de su madrastra. Qué triste es la historia de nuestros niños. Todo eso lo asume Jesús en esta noche. Tonight. We do not look for God among the opulence of the world, or among the idolatries of wealth, or among those eager for power, or among the intrigues of the powerful. God is not there. Let us look for God with the sign announced by the angels, resting in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes made by the humble peasant woman of Nazareth poor swaddling clothes and a little hay on which this God-made man rested, on which this king of the ages becomes accessible to humankind as a poor child. Today is the time to look for this child Jesus, but do not look for him in the beautiful images of nativity sets, but look for him among the children lacking proper nutrition who have gone to sleep this evening with nothing to eat. Let us look for him among the newspaper boys who sleep in the doorways wrapped in today's paper. Let us look for him in the shoeshine boy who perhaps has earned enough to buy a small gift for his mother. Let us look for him in the newspaper boy who, because he did not sell enough papers, is severely reprimanded by his stepfather or stepmother. How sad is the history of these children? Yet Jesus takes on all of this tonight. Now we're back, Alicia. Let's talk about how we want to look to this text in terms of preaching or teaching. Are there sermon ideas or talking points that come to mind as you move into your preparation for this sermon? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I um I'm really compelled by this uh idea of enfolding Psalm 23 into mm. um 
the nativity narrative that really, I mean, we hadn't planned to talk about that. That really just kind of unfolded over our conversation. And that feels really resonant and intriguing to me, um, especially as we think about what God is doing in contrast to the powers that be, right? That that in contrast to Herod, in contrast to Caesar, in contrast to all of these um trappings of empire that are like in the background of the story. Here we have mm-hmm. this humble shepherd king come to us as a child. Um, and I and I'd like to, I think, spend some time with that image um, as we celebrate the incarnation and that that we really think about how Jesus is coming to the world and how Jesus is becoming king and the ways that that impacts the sorts of disciples that we then become. Um, I think those are some of the things that are really sticking with me. How about you? Well, I I would just echo what you said in light of the beautiful excerpt from Romero's sermon as well. Right? Mm. Tonight, tonight, we do not look for God among the opulence of the world or the idolatries of wealth or among those with power. Mm-hmm. And I love that he's so direct. God is not there. No. <laughs> no, God is not there. Christmas is for the broken hearted. Yes. So just the way that um, his insight into his community and, you know, the communities where he was ministering among the poor and uh, the, the humble the humble folks, these shepherds to whom, right, God is revealed, to whom the angels visit, who then are the first to, like, go meet this child. Um, yeah, there's really something there with the with the shepherding imagery from Psalm 23 and the preparation, as you talked about in the first part of the episode, prepare yeah. him room, prepare this table before me. Um you know, can we make some room for mm. the child that's being born? Yes. Yeah. Our, and and then I think some of the other things that are just resonating with me as I come to the text fresh, right? Not, not a new text by any means, like right. deeply familiar, but as it's like finding some some fresh resonance for me. I, I, I'm really intrigued by this posture of the shepherds. Like, come, let's like go and see. Let's see what's going on. Let's confirm these things that we've been told. And they have a, an incredible encounter with Jesus, the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah. Um, and then they go and tell about it, right? And and here we also have Mary pondering, treasuring things in her in her heart. Adopting this posture of wonder and curiosity and contemplation at Christmas time feels really, really, uh, that feels like a really strong invitation for me right now. Um, And I hope it's a resonant invitation for my people too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing that's resonating with me, Alicia, that I want to spend some more time with, we, you know, in the first half of the episode, and I just mentioned it again, but this question about there's no room for them in the guest room. Can we make some room? These the this idea of preparation, preparing space for Christ to come. 
our listeners will not be surprised to hear me say that <laughs> I, I don't want to separate this from the material reality mm-hmm. of hospitality. Yeah. So I'm wondering about literally preparing room um, in your space and your life in, you know, not, not in a, <laughs> not in a, spiritual only kind of sense, but, um, what are the ways in which like, if God is not in these other places and Romero invites us to, to look for God in these places of profound suffering in these, particularly in these children who are experiencing profound suffering. And if God is, if Christmas is for the brokenhearted, right? How is it that we're literally making room in our homes, in our communities, and our churches for the people where God is already, or the right mm-hmm. with the people with whom God is already um, being made known? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. I mean, a follow up question, also engaging that image, is like, where are the places where I'm uncomfortable offering hospitality? Right. Um, this is taking some liberties with the text, or or maybe engaging sacred imagination is a better way to talk about that. But imagining that Mary and Joseph are maybe slighted by their family because of their particular marital status and Mary being an unwed mother, um, uh, where, again, maybe this is a, a bit of um, a, of sacred imagination kind of behind the text, uh, but thinking about the ways that a family maybe grudgingly offers hospitality and mm. where might there be room room to offer wholehearted hospitality, even in those places where I find myself feeling a little judgy, a little reticent, a little bit begrudging about some of those things, right? Um, Where do I need to put aside my own judgments about who is worthy to receive hospitality and just offer hospitality in the ways that God invites us to? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And the the reverse of that as well. Mm. Uh, In what ways am I uncomfortable receiving hospitality? Oh, totally. And, you know, receiving hospitality where <laughs> to receive someone's hospitality is often to let go of a kind of control oh, sure. um, of how um, of how I would do things or there can sometimes be like in receiving hospitality, I'm also letting go of power. Um, so that's another place that, you know, where am I uncomfortable receiving hospitality? If someone, you know, to think of again, the Romero reading, he, he writes of this little boy who maybe had enough money to buy a gift. Like, am I inclined to reject a gift uh, that I don't feel deserving of Mm -hmm. or given to me from a person who maybe has very little, um, it's, it seems also important that part of this wonder, part of this pondering and reflection is like me opening myself up, not only to share, but to receive. Yes. Yes. I think that's absolutely so true. And maybe the shepherds again are a great model for that. I, they're, they're not the sort of folks who say like, we are unworthy, <laughs> like go, like go away. Don't tell us about this. Right. Like they, wow, they, right. they've been given, they've been given this really extravagant gift and their response is like, great, let's go and check it out <laughs> instead of, um, yeah. And in, instead of a kind of, um, 
rejection that gets born out of um, shame or perhaps a, you know, a twisted sense of pride. Those are things that keep mm. us from re- receiving hospitality in meaningful ways, right? Like we, we don't want to be dependent on others, right? We don't want to um, be a burden or any of those kinds of things. But it's so interesting to think about the ways that hospitality is moving in both directions here, that there, that we have Mary and Joseph who need hospitality, who are depending on hospitality. But ultimately, the whole story is about God's hospitality to the whole world, right? The ways mm. that God is inviting all of creation into this new life, into this new kingdom. Um, and this this idea of both extending and receiving hospitality, both both being a guest and hosting a guest is is intriguing. That it, that we're that we're all both of those things at the same time when we're thinking about the Christmas story, right? Like both both a guest in the story and receiving the child who is born. I love that. That's so so insightful. Oh my gosh, this has been such a wonderful conversation today. I always like have some trepidation coming to these really familiar texts at high holy days, right? I'm like, what is there that's new to say about sweet baby Jesus in a manger? And I feel like we've really touched on some fresh resonances in in the story this week, or at least for me, I feel like a fitting word is emerging from our conversation together. So thank you, Megan. Absolutely. Thank you. I think that's all the time that we have for today. So we'll remind our listeners to check out the website for more written commentaries for the scriptures this week and to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the know. You can connect with us on social media for further conversation and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and share with your friends. It really does help get the word out. Special thanks to all the writers who contributed this week and to Matt Ghost for our original music, editing, and production. Join us next week for Epiphany Sunday and the visit of the Magi. See you then. Merry Christmas.